You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 98. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we answer a question on a company founded over 100 years ago. Headquartered in Hamilton and founded in 1910, Stelco Holdings, Inc., symbol STLC on the TXX, is a low-cost, integrated, and independent steelmaker with a modern integrated steelmaking facilities in both Canada and the U.S. Our listener asks... Uh, about the stock, he is down, or she is down, sorry, 60% on the stock and asks us our take on the company and whether or not it meets Keystone's criteria for investment at present. Our dog of the week is Dorel Industries, Inc., symbol DII.B on the TSX, a Canadian designer, manufacturer, and seller of juvenile products, bicycles, and furniture mainly. Dorel's stock is down 11% over the past five trading days, 78% over the last 12 months, and 90% over the last three years. She asks whether or not there's any hope in the near or long term for the stock. We'll let you know our thoughts. Again, I'd like to welcome just Aaron this week. Um, we're uh, Brennan is off uh, marketing our uh, upcoming seminars, and we'll talk about those briefly for a second here. Welcome, Aaron. Welcome, Ryan. Uh, nice we have with our you today. spring 2020 stock investment seminars coming up in Kelowna on March 31st, Calgary on April 1st, Edmonton on April 2nd, Vancouver on April 7th, Langley on April 9th. Victoria on, sorry, Langley on April 8th, Victoria on April 9th, Markham on April 14th, Oakville on April 15th, and Montreal finally on April 16th. Uh, I'm excited to get out there and talk to uh, uh, potential new clients out there, talk about some of the uh, opportunities that we see in the market, and simply how to just build that simple 15 to 25 stock portfolio that over the long term enriches you, not your advisor. That's what we'll be out there talking about. There's many individual topics that we had. I encourage you to go to our website, www.keystocks.com. On the big, you'll see myself and Aaron's pictures there on the right-hand side. There's a big box call out there. Click that, find out all about the seminar, uh, and we'd be happy to have uh, any of you out there, any of our listeners out there, and see you in person at these events. Uh, the tickets are already selling well. It's great to see. So well, we hope to see uh, many of you, many of you out there over the uh, coming month and a half at these events. It's going to be quite a tour. It seems like we we always expand it a little bit every year. So yeah. we're adding, is it one on this year? Yeah, Ryan? we're just we're adding, adding Montreal. Montreal. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to so, it. So, I mean, we keep asking us to come to other cities and we'll add more. Aaron may not want to come, but we'll end up coming out there, right? Uh, you know, I'll always be there. I'll always yeah, show up. 
So I wanted to also uh, comment on the current market pullback and, and general nervousness we said uh, we saw in the market. We did a little comment on this last week, but like we said last week, there are, we believe there are a number of things, a couple of play, main things at play here. Now, number one, the market hates the markets generally. They hate uncertainty. Uh, the Corona or COVID nineteen virus is justifiably causing some uncertainty. Number two, the markets, particularly following the run to start 2020, would be generally considered pricey at that point and priced to relative perfection. Any negative on the growth front, such as COVID-19, was bound to cause a correction. I would say the third is generally from an investment perspective, the markets are likely and likely have been worried near term about uh, Bernie Sanders led Democratic Party. Uh, in the U.S. and the potential left-leaning and potential anti-business-leaning policies that would be enacted if he was to win. I'm not sure of how many of those policies he would actually get through, but the, any uncertainty, like we said, if we go back to point number one, uh, is going to cause some volatility right now. We would expect this volatility to continue. Now, the question is, and we've been getting this from many of our clients, what to do? Uh, should we, for example, buy the dip? Well, what we can tell you is that stocks have come off around 10 to 12% on average over a very short term at a really, really at an unprecedented pace. Uh, we would by no means say, though, that the market is generally cheap. When you see a 10 to 12% pullback from premium valuations, we don't generally say suddenly the market is cheap, particularly given the uncertainty, one, two, three, that we talked about above. Now, will there be buying opportunities? I would say absolutely. It is not our opinion that Corona or COVID-19 uh, would completely derail the markets, particularly long term. What our clients should be asking themselves, and we, we, we help them along this process, is whether or not you are comfortable owning businesses like, for example, the Boyd Group or Brookfield Infrastructure or Microsoft over the next three to five years. Again, I would say absolutely, given the current information we have about these businesses and the markets. Uh, we do not know if they'll be higher one week, one month, or even one year from now. One year from now, but we see value in the businesses to beat the market over the long term, as they have in the past. So that's what you should be asking yourself in your portfolio. Look at those individual uh, 15 to 25 stocks if you're comfortable holding them. Uh, and you know, we we haven't had as many recommendations over the past year, so many of our clients have cash in hand right now there's likely going to be some opportunities we're digging to find those right now there's some great businesses that we have really wanted to participate in over the long term that are starting to become more attractive now and if we see any of those babies that get thrown out with the bathwater, we're going to come out with some buy recommendations but there's no reason to jump at the markets right now unless we do see some really stark value I don't have too much to add to that. I think it was well said. I, ultimately, when you're buying a business, you're you're looking, you're buying a company that you are that you believe can grow over the next five, six, ten years, um, and not necessarily just over the next six months. It's really hard to predict what's going to happen over the next six to twelve months in the market. There's you know whether it's Corona. Um, or geopolitical tensions. Um, there's always there's always something on the horizon, slowing global economy. There's always something on the horizon that can derail the market in the short term and even send us into a recession. But as long as you focus your time horizon on you know five years plus and you're looking for businesses 
that can grow over that period of time, um, that's what's going to produce wealth. Not trying to trade in and out of the market and time um, what's happening with investor sentiment or, or predicting you know, what's going to happen with Corona over the next several weeks. That's just, that's impossible. And for the vast majority of investors, that's just going to cause them to to lose money over the time, over time and um, also incur a lot of stress. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, uh, now, you, you had a bit of a couple of news talking points from the cannabis industry, just from uh, a company that uh, closed down some factories here in uh, in B.C., Sure. So it's just a piece of news that came out, I believe it was yesterday on March 4th, um, Canopy Growth, which is the largest of the Canadian uh, uh, cannabis producers, announced that they're laying off 500 employees. Uh, They're closing two greenhouses um, and they're going to take a seven to eight hundred million dollar write down. Uh, So that's uh, pretty catastrophic for the company. Um, Really kind of gives a good window into what's going on in the Canadian cannabis space. And the only reason why we're talking about this on the podcast is because, of course, Keystone has put out two uh, sector research reports on the cannabis space. Um, one went out in twenty, just at, at 2020, the other in uh, 2018. Um, And essentially, one of the big problems that we saw with the Canadian cannabis space was just the potential for oversupply. And it's if you look at the numbers, and this is why we don't like to listen to promoters, we don't like to listen to all of the hype and excitement behind a certain space. We really just look at the numbers. And when you looked at the numbers, you had a very limited market of maybe a million kilograms per year of consumption of cannabis in Canada. And you had companies... Um, lining up with production plans to produce, you know, several times that. So something had to give there. Um, either we were going to um, increase our cannabis consumption tenfold, or these companies were going to have to review their plans. And it seems that's like that is what's happening right now. If if the biggest company in the space, the company that you would think would have the best competitive advantages and economies of scale, if they're now starting to scale back their operations then uh, you you know that this is also happening, going to be happening throughout the entire industry. So, Yeah, I mean, with the oversupply and the amount of build-out that we saw and uh, uh, in that sector, uh, you know, it just seems like a money grab so, from some unscrupulous uh, promoters, to be honest. Not the entire segment, but there was certainly a good deal of that. And now uh, it's it's coming to roost right now. When you see uh, factories getting shut down, uh, the demand is not there at present to meet the uh, oversupply or at least a promised supply that had you know promised to be built. And uh, you're seeing that now. And uh, uh, you know it, it just hasn't been a segment of the market that we, particularly in Canada. The Canadian cannabis companies where we saw the justified fundamentals to invest in and it continues to be a poor area to invest in Canada right now. So I guess we're going to move on. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into the couple companies we're going to talk today? I think we could just get into the companies. Let's do that. Okay, our first is a your stock, our take. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock, our take buy, sell, or hold. Question on Stelco, um, S-T-L-C-T-S-X, came in via Cynthia, easy for me to say, via email. 
Uh, she says, Stalco was recommended to me by a fund manager at this time last year. It has since dropped 60%. Uh, I asked you guys this time uh, your take on this stock this time last year. You said simply that it did not meet your criteria. I trust your opinion even more now. Uh, your current thoughts on Stalco at present? Well, Stalco, like we said, symbol STLC on the TSX. Current price is around $7.10. Market cap, $629 million. What does Stelco do? They produce and sell various steel products in Canada and the U U.S. Provides flat-rolled value-added steel, including coated, pre-painted, cold-rolled, and hot-rolled steel products, as well as metallurgical coke. Um, the company sells its products to customers in the appliance, automotive, energy, construction, pipe, tube industries, as well as various steel service centers. Like we said, founded in 1910, headquartered in Hamilton. Let's look at the recent financial performance of Stelco revenues for the fourth quarter uh, and annual results. For the quarter, $435 million compared to $464 million, so down there. And for the year, $1.8 billion in terms of sales, uh, down from $2.5 billion in 2018. Net loss um, for the quarter was $24 million. Adjusted EBITDA was $10 million compared to $23 million. And for the year was adjusted EBITDA was, uh, sorry, is positive at $141 million compared to $614 million. So down significantly from $614 million. Basically, all these metrics, uh, the company was down uh, for Q4 and for the year. Uh, the conclusion here, we have been asked many times, numerous times over the past 12 months from clients whether or not we thought Stelco was a buy, uh, from when it traded at around $18 all the way down to where it is today in the $7 range. Each time we have stated that it did not meet our criteria for investment. For example, uh, 2016, Stelco posted $1.3 billion in revenues. That jumped uh, to $2.46 billion by 2018. Uh, then it fell to $1.8 billion by 2019. Revenue and profitability um, are very volatile and follow steel prices and demand for this company. The business can be very well run, and Stelco appears to be reasonably well run with a decent, solid balance sheet, net cash position, but in challenging market conditions such as a sharp drop in prices, as we saw in Q4, and headed into 2020, uh, the revenues drop and the company's cash flow tends to dry up. On a sum of parts valuation basis, perhaps Stelco offers some value given its balance sheet and the fact that steel prices will eventually recover. But the lack of consistent cash flow growth in a business tied to volatile commodity, a volatile commodity, makes Stelco uninvestable based on Keystone's long-term investment criteria. As you said, we've, we, we've looked at the company several times for clients, and, and absolutely, when we've looked at it in the past, there have been times when the financials did appear to be attractive with growth and profitability, but uh, I mean, you basically you basically nailed, the, nailed it on the head there, Ryan. When you're dealing with a very commodity-sensitive, economically-sensitive business like steel, you just have no way of knowing if revenues are going to drop the next year, uh, what's going to happen with commodity prices. And that's why we just tend to avoid those those sectors. Yeah, I mean, it's a stock that perhaps somebody could trade 
if you made a bet on steel prices or the inputs uh, into the commodity, it just it's just not a business where you can buy and predict solid to reasonable growth over a three to five to 10 year period. You're always going to have that volatility as you would with, say, an energy producer uh, or anything like that. And oil and gas is what I mean by energy. Um, you're always going to be have the situation, we talk about this all the time, where you have a business that can be run very well by great operators, good management. And in a year where they do everything right on the operational basis and the price of crude oil, for example, drops 20%, that business will go down significantly. Cash flow underlying the business come down significantly and the stock will not do well. It's just a very difficult sector or any company that's tied to a commodity is a very difficult investment over the long term. You're going to have very significant fluctuations. So Stelco, from that perspective as a business, isn't investable from us, hasn't been for the past year. Of course, it's become, you know, less expensive potentially on a price basis, but based on the underlying fundamentals right now, it's actually more expensive than it was at $18 if you were going to value it on its cash flow then. Very curious. Anyways, we'll look at the work weekly dog. From our stars and dog segment, it's time for this week's dog. Uh, it's Durrell Industries, Inc., D-I-I dot B on the TSX. Aaron, you're going to take that. Sure, Durrell, uh, right now trading at a price of 364 a market cap of just under $120 million. Durrell Industries is a Canadian designer, manufacturer, and seller of juvenile products, bicycles, and furniture. The company has operations um, all over the world. The majority of the company's revenues come from its child accessories, children's accessories, including infant car seats, strollers, high chairs, and other infant safety and, and health aids. Major brands include Safety First, Maxi Cozy, and Tiny Love. Durrell's stock is down 11% over the past five trading days. However, last week uh, is the least of the company's or its shareholders' worries as the stock price has been steadily declining over just about any time horizon you look at. Down 78% over the last 12 months and down 90% over the last three years. This is a company I had actually monitored very closely in our income research several years back. Back then, the company was very profitable, had a strong position in the child safety product market, and paid a decent dividend. I never recommended it because they always had issues maintaining growth and hitting targets. After a while, I just lost interest, but I was quite surprised to see what's happened to the stock since then. The last quarter was uh, released in November, Q3. The Q4 results are scheduled for March 12th. Um, in the third quarter, revenue was up 2.3% to $686 million, but adjusted earnings per share were down 80% to $0.07 cents per share. For the nine months, revenue was up 2.3% as well, and adjusted earnings per share was down, were down 50%. Looking back, back over the last five years, we really haven't seen any growth in revenue, and the operating earnings have been highly volatile. The company's a dividend was also cut in half at the start of 2019 and then suspended completely in October. Not a great sign. 
We could dive dive deeper into the specific factors impacting Durrell's financial performance. Likely, it has a lot to do with competition, putting pressure on margins. Um, I know that tariffs were also mentioned in there in the management outlook as well. However, there isn't really much of a point in looking further into the company when we see drops like this. The problems that Durrell has have not been short-term issues. They've been over a period of years. There has been that there's not been much growth uh, or, or any really over the past five years. Profitability has declined significantly in the last year and the dividend was canceled. We really don't see any value in the company or reason to invest. Yeah, but, you know, tell me what you really mean, right? No, that was pretty, pretty succinct and pretty clear. Aside from all that, we think <laughs> yeah. it's great, though. No, I'm, I'm, I, mean, I, I actually think that I own um, one of their car seats and a few of their other products. Yeah. So I... I I, I, I can understand the whole, I, I know that, you know, the products that they sell, the car seats, they're expensive. They have to be replaced on a regular yeah. basis. I can understand the theoretical um, attractiveness of that market, but it appears that it has not been a good market for the company or the company has just not been executing well. And I don't know which it is, um, but I think at this point, when you see such uh, such challenge fundamentals, there's really no point for time efficiency. There's really no point in digging deeper because you know it's not a company, regardless of what the answer is. You know it's not a company that you're going to recommend or invest in. Excellent. Well, that's going to end our show for this week. We'd like to encourage all of you, you know, come out to one of our uh, investment seminars, uh, learn how to build that 15 to 25 stock portfolio, enriching you, not your advisor. Uh, We're going to touch on some hot topics, alternative energy stocks, probably have a buy in that segment we'll look at. Quickly topic, you know, topic of the day, environmental, social and governance stocks. Are they right for your portfolio? Look at uh, cybersecurity quickly at cannabis, uh, artificial intelligence stocks, all of these, whether or not there are companies in these segments that you need in your portfolio or there's some to avoid. We're going to talk about whether stocks are cheap or expensive, what to do in a recession or a crash, and we're going to discover and give you five stocks that we believe should be in your portfolio today. Remember, Warren Buffett has said, uh, be greedy when others are fearful. Now, we may not be at that point yet, but uh, certainly valuations are becoming more attractive, which you know peaks our interest, and there should be more interest in the markets when the uh, when you see some down times in the market where at times you see less interest but this is when you should actually come out to these events and uh, you know change your portfolio start buying some good businesses that you can be comfortable owning for the next three five and ten years and that's what we're going to talk about at these events keep your questions coming into our your stock our segment and uh, we have our ask us anything segments too you can ask us anything you want about the markets I'd like to wish all of your listeners out there profitable investing. Profitable investing.